Day, uh, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. If you are from a more liturgical tradition, maybe Catholic or Lutheran uh, or Episcopal, uh, you're used to celebrating the church calendar. And the design of the church calendar was to set apart and set aside these monumental moments in the life of God's people so that they wouldn't forget And it would draw us back to reflect on these critical moments. That's why we celebrate Christmas, right? The birth of Christ is a monumental moment, the incarnation. And so it's set aside and we celebrate that. And we celebrated, you know, Good Friday and Easter, right? These moments that are significant, these core turning points for the life of the church. That's what the church calendar is designed to do. But then comes Pentecost Sunday, (laughs) and in most Protestant traditions, we don't typically quite follow uh, the whole of the church calendar, and I think sometimes we miss out when it comes to Pentecost Sunday, because it is a critical point in the storyline of God's people, and so we're going to celebrate that today. I think the evidence that is in the church lets us know that we have forgotten to celebrate Pentecost Sunday. We were at our general council meeting for the Christian Missionary Alliance that gathered in Columbus, and there was, uh, I'm excited. I am excited at what the Spirit of God is mobilizing within the Christian Missionary Alliance. Friends, there is a fresh breeze blowing. I'm grateful that uh, it was this steady movement, and it has been over the last several years. And God is mobilizing. I can see him positioning us for things to come. I think we'll see in the next decade uh, some amazing turnarounds. But there were also things that were mentioned there that give us a reminder that the church needs a fresh Pentecost. Over the past year, our Alliance churches went from 2020 uh, to under 2,000 churches over the past year. Attendance in Alliance churches has decreased uh, by 7,800 people uh, to now about 221,000 people worshiping on Sundays. Our missions giving has eroded. Uh, It continues to go down from just over 7%. Now we're down to under 6.8% going towards the worldwide work. There was a president who once said, if the giving gets below this, this, this minimum threshold, then I think it's time for the Christian and Missionary Alliance to officially change its name and remove missionary from its name. Friends, we need a fresh Pentecost. Now the winds are blowing, and I am hopeful. And I am hopeful for Hope Church and what God is doing here. But a fresh Pentecost is necessary. Because we were away for the week, there is nothing going to be on the screens uh, for you. So you will need to pull out your Bible. I want to look precisely at what the Scripture teaches as to what the purpose of Pentecost is. And so in Acts chapter 1, if you would turn there, Acts chapter 1, it is clarified what the point of Pentecost is all about. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this. This is what Pentecost is about. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What does the Bible say that Pentecost is all about? It's about the delivery of power for the sake of kingdom advance. That's what Pentecost is all about. It's about receiving power to do that work, power to proclaim and power to demonstrate. It does not say that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can just have amazing church worship services. There is a purpose for the power, and the power is connected to the mission. Without the mission, there is no power. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. I want to ask you this question, and it's more than just interesting trivia. When did the disciples receive the Holy Spirit? Now, I hate trick questions. Uh, and so I'm uh, not wanting to give you a trick question. But when did the Holy Spirit come? I want you to turn back a page in your Bible to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We've commonly understood that the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. That's the birthday of the church. But there are some interesting texts That's why I wanted to go and say, what's the purpose of Pentecost? The only thing in the Bible that the purpose of Pentecost is the delivery of power for the advancement of the kingdom. In John chapter 20, starting in verse 19, the text says, now this uh, this is Easter Sunday evening when this takes place. On the evening of the first day of the week, When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said, he says this a second time, Peace be with you. Now, there's something interesting that he does next. He says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. What's he doing? He's commissioning them, right? He's commissioning them. We hear of this also in Matthew chapter 28, when all of, he says, all authority and power is given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, right? He's commissioning them. I am sending you. And with that, The text says that he breathed on them and said, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. That's before Pentecost. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And the commission continues. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What is Jesus doing here? What is he doing as he breathes on the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit? Now, many have thought, oh, that's just a foreshadowing of Pentecost. But is it? Is it? 
That word breathed on them. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's the same word found in two special locations that give us an indication as to what Jesus is actually doing here. He breathed on them in Genesis 2.7. It says this, Then the Lord God, what? Formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Right? There was the formation of something that took place in Genesis. And as the Lord God formed the man, then he breathed into him the breath of life. What is Jesus doing in John chapter 20? He's gathered the church together. And what does he do? He breathes into them. He formed the church and he breathed the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20 is the inauguration of the church. There's another time in the Old Testament where this word is used. And again, we see this same imagery in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 5 through 9. If you want to turn there, you can. I'll read it to you. But in Ezekiel chapter 37, the Spirit of God comes upon Ezekiel It says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry, this picture of death. And asked me, son of man, which we know is a title Jesus used of himself, son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Verse 4, Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to the bones. I will make breath. There it is. I will make breath enter you. And what? You will come to life. Verse 6, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. Here it is again. I will put breath in you and you will what come to life? Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. What was disassembled was now being assembled and put back together again. Then it says, very interestingly, at the end of verse 8, but there was no breath in them. The parts were there, the assembly was there, just like at Pentecost. The people were there, All of the things that had taken place for the birth of the church, it was all there. But there was no breath in them. And what does Jesus do in John 20? He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And the prophecy in Ezekiel goes on in verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live 
And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up upon their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, very poignant for us, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. Jesus was reenacting what had been done. And he inaugurates the church and brings the people together. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's exciting. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. The teaching I gave you is more consistent over the long-term haul of the church. Over the last hundred years, uh, the teaching more towards Pentecost being the birthday of the church uh, was a part of that. If you're interested, I realize for some of you, you think, okay, that's a switch there for me. Uh, I, need to, I need to ponder this, and that's quite all right. Uh, there are uh, other resources out there for you. Uh, if you're interested, there's a book called Joy Unspeakable uh, and uh, by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, if you're interested in that. And so then it forces us back into the book of Acts and say, what did we just look at as the purpose of Pentecost? It was the delivery of power. So we see that with authority, Jesus commissions the church. He commissions them. They receive the Holy Spirit, right? So there's authority there to do that. But then there's still something missing. Something comes after that. And it's the power. So in Acts chapter 2, if you would turn there, and we're going to walk through different parts of this text. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, this was starting to be a common feature for them. They gathered together. They were praying. They were seeking. They were waiting. They were before the Lord. There was preparation going on for this time. Pentecost means 50th means 50th. It was the 50th day after the first Sunday of the Passover. And uh, uh, Pentecost happened during the Feast of Weeks or the day of first fruits. And isn't the Holy Spirit, the, the down payment, the deposit, the first fruits of our salvation? Well, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came. So this, there was an audibleness to the events going on. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And it was also visual. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. So there was this sense that there was this fire there. But then it says, and then it separated, it separated, and then it came to rest on each one of them. So there was a corporateness in which the power came, and then it went upon each one of them. And some of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. No, no, all of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Now, why the tongues? You know, God, really? But you know what? This is awesome. Because what's the commission? You know, wait for the power so that you can go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to where? The ends of the earth. 
And so what's actually happening at Pentecost is a initial fulfillment of the very thing that he was telling them to go and do. So it makes absolute sense that these tongues would come. It need not be this mysterious, crazy thing that we are afraid of at all. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And as they're, they're speaking in tongues, something amazing happens. Because what are they speaking in tongues? Part of the purpose of tongues is praise to God. They are announcing and speaking these wonderful works of God. I wonder, was it, uh, were all of these people standing around and speaking the other languages so that it was a miracle of their speaking? Or was it a miracle of hearing? Now, I don't want to split hairs on it. Uh, I don't know if that's actually necessary the full, for the full impact to take place. But it lean, I, I lean towards that they were speaking in tongues and people heard in their own language. In verse 8, it says, Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Verse 11, we all hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And then in verse 13, it says, you know, some didn't understand. It says, some, however, made fun of them. Now, why did they make fun of them? Paul talks in Corinthians about the gift of tongues. And if everyone in the church is speaking in tongues and no one understands, they're going to think, what? You're nuts. You people are crazy. So some there... That's why I think they were probably speaking in a heavenly language and they could hear because people thought they were nuts. But there were other people whose hearts were opened and they heard the praises of God. The text goes in verse 5, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from where? Every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, Galileans were looked down upon because partially they had this uh, accent. They could, you know, they didn't have great speech, if you will, as a people. And so part of it even is that aren't these Galileans speaking in languages we can understand. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And then there's the list of all of these uh, peoples in verse 9 and 10 and 11. All of those places, what is that doing? The first part marks out the territory of God's uh, people, the, the land that he had given them. And it goes on through the whole of the Roman world. And then the last part are places in the farther outreaches of the kingdom. So what? It's going everywhere. And there were representatives and people there. And so it was awesome that these tongues were heard in all of uh, really an initial fulfillment even. The languages represent all the people groups. And the kingdom message is going to go to every one of those places. It's a foretaste. Why is this so important in the storyline of the Bible in terms of languages? At the end, in Revelation 7, 9, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation and tribe, people and language 
standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Mm. What a great inaugural, uh, what a great event here as the Holy Spirit comes and uh, allows this initial fulfillment even of what is to come. Amazed and perplexed in verse 12, it says, they asked one another, what does this mean? I think it's important uh, that we, when spiritual moments happen and you say, what's going on here? It's a great question. What is God up to? What is he doing? I think it's important for leaders in the church as things are stirring, as things are happening, as spiritual moments happen to say, what is God doing? Why is he doing this? And we know Peter, uh, we'll look at that in a moment, Peter stands and addresses the crowd and interprets the spiritual experience that just took place. But in verse 13, it says, some, however, made fun of them, saying they uh, had uh, too much, they had too much wine. It's interesting. This was a miraculous moment, wasn't it? In the midst of the miraculous, not all saw it. So sometimes we wonder, why doesn't God just do miracles all the time? If he did miracles all the time, then people would just turn to him. Not true. Not true. Those who were cultivated for it, those who had eyes of faith, they could see the work of God. And some there saw, and others did not. In verses uh, 14 uh, and on, Peter stands up, and he, he starts describing and, and repeating and telling people what this whole event means. And in verse 16, he says, and this... Now this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It's not gender-based. It's not age-based. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Friends, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. It fully comes upon everyone. It's not gender-based or age-based. There are no gifts of the Spirit that are for men only. The gift of teaching, all of the gifts, they fall equally upon those whom God gives. And all should have an opportunity as God gifts them to serve Jesus Christ in their giftedness and in their calling. I want to share a story that happened at General Council one of the nights. And it just kept getting better and better. And just when I'm like, Lord, I'm full, like I've been eating spiritual food, the Lord would deposit yet another evening time where he out poured out his spirit. 
But there was on one of the evenings, and I like to sit in the balcony. People didn't figure out those were the best seats in the house. And uh, so I liked having worship space, you know, I'm, so needed some worship space. And so I was up there in the balcony and the service ended and John Stumbo, the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance, just, you know, he dismissed everybody because there were other things. He said, but those who want to linger, stay. And so those who were hungry and wanted to press in further and further and just cry out to God for a filling of his spirit. And uh, um, so I'm up in the stands up there and I was with a missionary candidate couple who were being commissioned uh, from my old church and they were kind of called away. And as we were, it kind of ended, we were walking away. There's this, this woman weeping. She's in the stands. She's on her knees, kneeling on the metal floor with her hands outstretched, crying and just seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. And as I filed down to leave, I thought, there was offers of prayer, we're in the balcony. So I just said to her, ma'am, do you want someone to pray for you? And she looked up in tears. She says, I was hoping somebody would ask me. I was hoping someone would ask me. Uh, She was an ethnic woman. And, uh, you know, I asked her before I laid hands on her, I said, is it okay if I lay hands on you? And she was crying out to the Lord. And as I just laid my hand on the top of her head and I spoke these words to her, the longings of your heart, Jesus hears, and may they be released. May he fulfill them. May he grant to you everything that you long for and that you're searching for in these moments. And instantly she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She began to laugh with joy. Laugh with joy, this joyous cry unto the Lord. And I said to her, I said, man, the Lord is filling you uh, with laughter. I said, what is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. And she received this wonderful joy in the Holy Spirit as she just laughed with joy. And then we went on praying and she was crying out more and more to the Lord. And she said, I don't know how to tell my people this because I'm a woman. They won't listen to me. They won't hear me. And it broke my heart because the Spirit of God comes upon men and women, boys and girls, young and old. In the same ways, there's no spiritual gift that's unavailable to some. And my heart broke for her. And as we continued to pray, she continued to cry out for her people and for her church that they would hear. And then she started saying to me, Jeff, it's stuck. I, 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 have, I, I have things to to pray out. I have things to pray out, but I'm, and I, and she was trying and she was praying out and I could hear her. And I said to her, I said, well, I said, if you're willing, there's another gift that's available to you that allows the release of what I think is stuck in you. 
And so I laid my hand on her head again and I prayed that she would receive the beautiful gift of tongues so that the cry of her heart, that the spirit that was, that was what she was experiencing, this churning of the Holy Spirit within her and her English and her native tongue were stuck because the spirit was so heavy on her. And then she just prayed in tongues to release this burden of her heart to beseech the Lord for her people. It created no circus. It was no show. And there was nothing to be afraid of other than the joy of this woman crying out on God's behalf, on her people's behalf before the Lord. Everything's available to us. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies is available and we need not be afraid. It only gets dangerous when the spiritual leaders around won't lead well. Here at Hope, we will lead well. There's a book that uh, is by Paul King. It's called Anointed Women. The Rich Heritage of Women in Ministry in the Christian Missionary Alliance. Do you know that there were women at General Council who are a part of this story, who are allowed now to do less ministry because they're a, wo- because they're a woman? than they could in days of old. May God rekindle us with our roots. May he do a fresh work for us because the spirit comes upon everyone. Is Pentecost a repeatable event? And the time says I need to stop with this one. Is Pentecost a repeatable event? The reason I went through the inauguration of the church in John 20, because many feel like Pentecost is not repeatable because that was the initiation of the church. It was designed for a special time to do something special for the life of God's people. But if the church was already inaugurated and the birth happened in John chapter 20, then something different is going on in Acts chapter 2. What did we say the purpose of Acts chapter, that Pentecost was? Power. Power. Right? Power. And so uh, in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, is it repeatable? Is it designed to be repeatable? When the people heard this, all the things that Peter had taught, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter says, Two things. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's part one of salvation. (laughs) And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, part two of salvation. Then the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a repeatable event. And even through the book of Acts, if it wasn't a repeatable event, we wouldn't see it repeat in the book of Acts. The means by which the church moves forward is the power of the Holy Spirit. If it was only designed to be that one event, then that would be it. But what do you see driving the church forward repeatedly through the book of Acts? It's the Holy Spirit. Fresh downloads. 
Every time they needed to advance, fresh downloads came. And so we should expect it. Friends, we labor in human effort way too much trying to push it forward. When what we're designed to do is do what the original group did. They gathered. Don't you realize this is the last act before Jesus, the big act before Jesus comes again, was this. And he had them wait 50 days. There was cultivation, preparation. And then the Spirit came. Friends, I want to apply this in uh, one particular way here. A word for Hope Church. It hit me very hard that the early church went through massive ups and downs. Jesus died, obliterated them, right? Then all of a sudden, he's standing before them alive. Imagine the emotions of like lamenting and broken. Then he's alive. Oh my gosh, what does this mean? And then Pentecost comes and that happens. They had a betrayer among them, uh, someone who wasn't who they thought he was. They um, ended up in the early spots here and their key leaders ended up in jail. Their best orator, Stephen, was killed. Like, that's a massive amount of emotional jumps and movement. And yet through it all, this is what stood out to me and I think is for us that the Spirit keeps moving them forward on the mission. And people of God are constantly a people being healed while they're healing. And I think that's where we are. We're a people needing healing who will also be a part of other people healing. The release of kingdom power is certain when it's attached to missional purposes. I want us to do a couple of things. I want you to pick one life event, one event in your life right now, and begin to ask how, God, do you want this to fit into your mission? Because you're waiting for the Holy Spirit, I'm certain, in some area of your life that's pressing upon you right now. But there has been no movement. Nothing's happened. You're at a stalemate. I wonder if you say, God, how is this particular piece of whatever going on in my life a part of your mission? And I wonder, the moment you begin to attach it to his mission and his purposes versus just releasing you from the burden of whatever it is, if in those moments, it will happen and you'll get it and you'll understand. And I can't help but think after all the things that the early church was going through, if as they connected it to mission, it made sense and the Holy Spirit showed up. So this week, I want you to pick one life event and begin to ask, Holy Spirit, how is this missional for your work in my life and people around me? And see if the power of God doesn't show up for you. We're asking that for a church in our place. Lord, at Hope Church, what do you want to do with where we are? Connect it to your mission and your purposes and we are guaranteed to see the power of God move us forward.
And I want you to do this. Ask God to give you one person a week who needs hope. (laughs) Whosoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Ask God specifically to give you somebody who needs hope. And sow whatever kind of seeds are appropriate. If we do that, we'll be on mission. If we're on mission, we will see the power of God in ways we don't because we're not on mission. We are the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Let's be one of the Alliance churches that turns the thing around, who goes on mission and sees the power of the Holy Spirit press us through.